I'm going to be sharing with you some thoughts today about training the human spirit. Now, um, we're going to start a little mini-series on this. It's not going to take too many Sundays, but I really want you to listen because uh, I believe there's some things that uh, God wants you to understand. And uh, some of this, can I be honest with you? Some of this is deep, but I'm, I'm endeavoring with the Holy Ghost help to keep something that is deep and this concept is quite deep, uh, but to keep it very simple. Because if it's too theologically deep, you're not going to catch it. And so I, I, I want to take some deep things of God uh, that a lot of people don't really understand. And when I say that, you need to trust me that most people don't, don't live and don't understand this because it's so spiritually discerned. And, and I want to try to make it simple for you. So Holy Spirit, I yield my vessel to you and I thank you for that precious anointing that makes it easy to deliver, easy for them to understand. I thank you that you use my, my tongue as that of a, a ready writer to write revelation upon their heart. We thank you for your help and your anointing, for your angels that assist us in the service, the divine assistance for divine words. We thank you, Lord, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and the word will land right and it will produce faith in them and that, Lord, they'll understand. And Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've struggled, Father, you know how long I've taken in even writing the notes for this because it's such a complicated subject in some ways and it's such a simple subject in other ways. And Lord, I want to try to deliver it the way you would have me deliver it so that the people would understand it in a way that they can practically apply it. So we thank you for your help and we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit in preaching. Lord, at times by the gift of prophecy, as you will, Holy Ghost, that inspired utterance and I give you praise for it in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, uh, would you, so we're talking about the human spirit. First of all, you know the Bible says that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. I think we know this at our church. You go to some churches, they don't even know that. But I think we, we don't have to spend too long on that. You are a spirit, Nigel. The Nigel is, the real Nigel is a spirit. And you, you have a soul, mind, will, emotions, that way you think, the way you feel, the way you decide. Do you understand? And then you have an outer shell, a body that will act out what your mind will emotion tells it to do. Now, when Jesus says, assuming you live long enough, which you will, because uh, you're so healthy, your hair needs to improve, but, but you are very healthy. Uh, but I think you choose to do that because you have a perfectly shaped head. And if all of us had a head like yours, all of us would be bald. So, um, but... I'm complimenting you, brother. I'm trying to compliment you. I started digging in a hole, but I got out of that hole pretty good, real fast. <laughs> now, when, 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 he, when the rapture comes and, and he hears Jesus call, come up hither. You realize that's actually going to happen. That's not a fairy tale. And that's, not, that's, not, that's actually going to happen. It's an astonishing thought. You're going to hear a, an angel in the clouds blow a trumpet. And it ain't no Phil Driscoll. It's an angel. And Jesus is going to say, come up hither. Do you understand? Now, you don't, you're not raptured instantaneously. The Bible says that you go up, people will watch you levitate off the earth and go up to God. Because as Jesus came, he said, I'll, I'm going to come in the same way that I left. Remember when Jesus left, they watched him as he ascended. He didn't just go up like a rocket ship. They watched him. And the Bible says, in the same manner, so shall we be which means we're going to, people are going to see us go. Amen. It's a wild thought. But what happens at the twinkling of an eye is not the rapture. 
the catching away. It's the changing of the body. So when you hear that, that sound of that trumpet and you hear come up hither in a instantaneous microsecond, your physical outer shell is going to be changed into a, what the Bible calls a resurrected body. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, had a resurrected body and he walked through the wall. Do you remember it says that in the Bible? He fellowshiped with them, ate fish. I think it was maybe walleye pike, maybe tilapia. Certainly wasn't, it wasn't trout because that stinks. Jesus don't like stinky fish. Maybe it was salmon, Taylor. We don't know. I guess it was whatever they caught that morning. Greg, you've never caught a fish, but your day is coming. <laughs> whatever they caught in the, in the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Genesaret, whatever they caught, whatever that fish was, that's what he was eating. And he ate the fish, brother. That means physical food went into his physical stomach. But because it's a resurrected body, he walked back through the wall. What happened to the fish? Did the fish get splattered against the wall as he went through it? No. So I don't know how that's going to work, but it means that you can eat things and you can go invisible. You can eat things and go through matter. Matter that is, was matter before when it goes into your frame, it ceases to become matter. I don't know, that's not my sermon today, but I'm just saying the resurrected body is an amazing concept. But you have a body that is going to be changed. So, do, you know, do the best you can with it right now. But, and you should do the best you can with it. But it's going to be changed into a supernatural body. No matter what you do with your body now, it's going to be changed if you're alive and your heart's beating at that moment. Right? And you're going to be changed. Now, most people, you know, it's most likely at your prime and at your peak, which, which is about the mid-30s, somewhere in that range. And everybody in heaven always says they see people in heaven around that time frame. So there's not old people in heaven. There's not decrepit people in heaven. There's not weak people in heaven. There's not sick. There's no wheelchairs. There's no ambulances. There's no hospitals. There's no nurses. Sorry, you can't practice in heaven, Cortez. Your practicing days are over. There's no doctors. There's no injections. There's no needles. There's no medicine. There's no x-ray machines. There's not, not, nothing that we see here. There's no police officers. There's no crime. There's no nothing. When we get there, what a wonderful place to look forward to. But when we get there, we're going to have this other body. But right now we have this regular body. If you don't take care of it, you're going to die at, maybe earlier than your assigned time but from God. Because he knows when everybody's passing. So it's in your best interest to take care of your shell. But I just, you understand that you are not a body. And you are not an intellect. You are a spirit being. Your spirit lives eternal. Now your physical body is going to change to a resurrected body, but your spirit man inhabits that resurrected body. Do you understand? Because your spirit always has to have something to expression. What are demons? They are spirits without bodies, they cannot express themselves. So they inhabit humans or animals or locations to express themselves. A spirit has to have a body in order to express itself. Your human spirit right now is in you and it has a physical body and a mind that it works with and through to show expression in the natural world. In the next dispensation, you're also going to have a body and a, a different kind of a mind, but it's going to be your human spirit in a resurrected body with a completely whole, W-H-O-L-E, mind. And you're going to express yourself 
in the natural world as well as the spiritual world. So you understand that I'm, I'm just, because so, there's lots of people from lots of backgrounds, and I don't know what they all know. So you understand that you are a spirit. Yes. Now, what does the Bible say? God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We know that God is a spirit. So God can only communicate to you through spirit because he is spirit. Are you with me? Okay. Now, uh, I want you to know a couple things about your spirit. First of all, your spirit man where is your spirit? I can't have time to read all these verses, but I'm quoting a lot of them to you. It says that in, that, uh, in the belly region, uh, that is where your spirit lives. Now, we talk about inviting Jesus into our heart, but really, to be more accurate, your heart is your spirit, and your spirit is in your belly region. So when Jesus, when Jesus you know, Jesus technically doesn't live inside you. Are you with me? Yes. Yeah. Because we say, let's, let's receive the Lord Jesus, and that is true, but really, we're receiving him by faith, because Jesus is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit lives on the earth, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one, and the Holy Spirit, when you get born again, comes inside you. So we refer to it as receiving the Lord Jesus, but really, we're receiving the Holy Spirit inside us, and he comes into our spirit man. The Holy Spirit does not live in your mind. And he does not live in your body from that perspective. He lives in your spirit man, which means that you're never going to get answers from God from your thought life and your intellect first. It will wind up in your thought life because without understanding in your brain, you can't act out with your body, but it never originates in your thought life. It originates in your spirit man because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. Are you with me? And then your spirit man, that's why I'm talking about training the human spirit, because if you don't understand how to train your human spirit, you're never going to be led by the spirit properly. And are you listening? You're never going to be able to accomplish the things that is the plan of God that the Holy Ghost knows, because 1 Corinthians 2 says he searched out the deep things of God, and he's in you, and he knows what is God's heart for your future, and he's trying to reveal God's plan for your future, which is in your spirit. But if you don't have faith in your spirit, man, you can never, you may say a bunch of words, but they're empty words. They're just a rosary. You've got to have faith in your spirit, man, and then speak those words of faith with your mouth for the Holy Spirit who's in your spirit, man, to cause to come to pass what he put in your spirit. So your, everything comes down to your spirit. Everything. Do you understand? Everything comes down to the condition of your spirit. In fact, uh, again, I'm, this is not in my notes, but I'll just say it. I wish I had a picture of it. But in fact, the, uh, the ancient symbol is the pentagram, the pentagram star. Now, you see how the devil perverts and twists everything. But in olden days, back in the, in the darker ages, uh, the pentagram, the star, the pentagram star has one point, two points on the side, and two points on the bottom. That is the pentagram. The inverted pentagram is the sign of the satanic church. See, the devil always is perverting everything and turning it upside down. But many churches had the pentagram as their logo. Do you know why the pentagram, the original pentagram, the single point upward, was the logo of many ministries and churches back in the old days? Because the pentagram represented the life of the spirit. What they were saying was, 
the life of the natural, which are the four elements, earth, wind, fire, whatever it is, and also the soul, the mind, mind, will, emotions, and body, those four elements of the soul and the body are the, are the other points that are facing down because they are of lesser importance. But the single, the single pinnacle on the top of that pentagram represents the spirit man and it's facing heaven. It goes to heaven. What they're trying to say is your spirit man comes above and takes precedent over your mind, will, emotions, and your body. Do you understand? Now the devil twists that. He says your spirit man is the less and your flesh or your body is the first. And then the image of the goat and its ears and its face and, you know, its horns come out of that inverted pentagram. But I'm only saying that so that you understand uh, the, even the early church understood that without all the doctrine that we have today, that the, the, the spirit of a man is supposed to be priority. You're not to be governed by what you want in your body or even by what your mind tells you. You're supposed to be, but the, unless you train it, unless you understand how to train your spirit. You're always going to be emotional. Yes. Ever met a Mr. or Mrs. Porcupine? Yes. You never know quite what answer you're going to get from them when you see them. Yes. Sometimes they're in a good mood. Sometimes they're in a bad mood. Why? Because they are dominated by their soul. They do not, they're not dominated by their spirit. Why? They haven't trained their spirit to obey what God says, so they don't have that, that, that staying course power. They're always up and down with the emotions of life and their marriage and their job and this and the weather. Well, the, it's, not, it's not sunny out, so I feel sad. That's somebody that is in their soul realm. Because a spirit man person, the weather don't make any difference with what you're going to do or not do. Whether the economy is good, whether there's a war going on, whether there's a recession that we're in, it, it doesn't matter. Your spirit man is constant and stable. And if you let it dominate you, your mind will yield, your emotions and thoughts will yield to that spirit. And then what you think will be spiritual. Your body will act out what your mind, which is spiritual, is thinking. And your actions will be spiritual. Everything comes back to your spirit. Are you understanding me? <laughs> okay. Now, I want you to know that your spirit man cannot sin. So would you look please at 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, and there are other verses, but for sake of time, because uh, again, this can be a complicated type of subject and I don't want to drag it on, so I'm, I'm not giving you tons of verses for each of these, but I'm just going to give you one or two. 1 John chapter 3, let's look at verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, 1 John 3, 8, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, part of that is sin, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus was manifested not just to destroy the works of the devil in sickness, but he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil in sin. Did you see that? What is the subject matter of this verse? Sin. The devil sins from the beginning. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which means he came to destroy sin. The effects of sin is sickness and poverty and all these things, but it all starts with sin. And if Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, that's why he came to destroy sin. How did he destroy sin, Sandy? He took it on himself. 
He took the sin of the world on himself and paid the price. Why? So that you, which very few of us actually can say, but like Dad Hagen, he did it so that we would be able to say, like Dad Hagen used to say, I haven't sinned in years. I haven't had to repent or have the blood of Jesus cleanse me in years. The blood of Jesus is supposed to cleanse you at the beginning. And if you walk in the spirit, it doesn't have to cleanse you again because you don't sin. But most people, because they're not living in their spirit, they're living in their soul and their body, are going to sin many times. And the Bible knows that. Jesus knows it. So he says, when you sin, not that you should if you're walking in the spirit, but when you sin, you've got an advocate. Don't be condemned. Jesus will wash you. He'll forgive you with his blood. But Dad Hagen got to the point in his latter years where for years he went without ever committing a single sin. Some people are repenting seven times a day. Do you understand? Now, if you sin, repent. There's a false doctrine going around that started in, in, uh, in Singapore and it's gone all over the world and it's completely demonic and it's false that says you don't need to repent when you sin because when you repented the first time and got born again, God cleansed you from all the sins you'd ever commit. So you can just do whatever you want and if you do something wrong, you don't need to repent because that original cleansing, no, 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 no. You receive everything by faith. You received your salvation by faith on that day. For me, it was May 23rd, 1982. I received it that day. But if I did something wrong the next day, how could I receive by faith for the next day the previous day without the next day even happening yet. Because I have to receive my forgiveness by faith. I have to receive my cleansing by faith, which means the only way to receive cleansing is not by a one-time thing. You were born again by a one-time thing, but if you continue to miss it, which we all do, at the moment you miss it, you release your faith and receive the cleansing of the blood at that moment. So it's not a once and for all thing. It's a once and for all thing from the perspective of that you're born again forever, you're not going to be, you can't really lose that unless you commit the unpardonable sin, which we're not talking about today, and which 99.9999999% of Christians cannot commit. And if you love Jesus, you don't have to worry about the unpardonable sin because you can't commit it. Just ask yourself, do I love Jesus? If the answer is yes, you could, you, it's impossible to commit the unpardonable sin. Okay, this is people that hate Jesus after loving him. But that doesn't apply to any of us, so none of us have to worry about that. Are you with me? So what was I saying before I talked about the unpardonable sin? Nobody's listening, including myself. When you, when you, if you, you can live in the spirit and not sin, but if you do, you can't receive by faith forgiveness in advance. That's what I was talking about, Taylor. Uh, you, you have to receive forgiveness at the moment by faith, which means you can't receive forgiveness for every sin you've ever committed when you get born again because you haven't yet committed them. So how can you release your faith for something you've never done? When you do the mistake, you release your faith and you receive that forgiveness. So that false doctrine that says you don't need to repent anymore is a lie. Believe me, you do need to repent. In fact, some of you right now, you need to repent because you're not paying attention to your pastor. I'm just kidding. The point is, is that Dad Hagen said, I have gone years without sinning. Meaning it is possible, although not common, for a believer to be so in tune trained their human spirit that they're living out of that flow of their spirit now watch now and their mind is in tune with that spirit and their body and actions and words are in tune with that spirit and when you're doing that because your spirit can't sin you can't sin 
But most people, their spirit is here and their mind is up here and there's not a whole lot of going on between the two. <laughs> and so their mind is a little bit unrenewed about things because they're not listening to their spirit. They haven't trained their spirit. And their body is just doing whatever it feels like doing, whatever the flesh wants to do. And so they're making constant mistakes and, and sins and there has to be regular repentance. But all of that can change, my brother and sister, if you learn how to listen and flow and walk in the spirit. Let me help you understand something. The entire New Testament, everything about the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, there's a lot written in there. There's a, there's a, you take more than a lifetime to study it. But the general point, the general idea, the most important single concept of the entire New Testament, are you ready? It is life in the Spirit. Not speaking in the Spirit, Life in the spirit. Dad Hagen said that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And people still didn't get it. The whole reason you hold that New Testament, the whole reason all the epistles are written, which is for you, the church. Spend time in the old, but the new is where you feed. Because the epistles were given to the church. The whole reason it's there is so that if you will learn it and understand how to train your spirit to obey it, what you read, and to speak what you read, that you will have life out of your spirit. That's what life in the spirit means. It means living out of your spirit. That includes a renewed thought process because that's what comes out of your spirit. That includes right words because that comes. That includes speaking in the spirit or speaking in tongues because if you're living in the spirit, there, the, the, included in that is also speaking in the spirit. That has included being led by the Spirit. Because if you're living out of your Spirit, the Holy Ghost who's in your Spirit is leading you. That includes forgiveness. That includes wealth. That includes divine ideas. That includes favor. Everything we talk about is in your Spirit. Are you with me? And you're supposed to live out of your Spirit. I'm, I'm starting slow because I'm trying to get the ones that aren't, aren't as familiar with this to catch up. So you've got to live out of your Spirit. If you live out of your Spirit successfully, you will find you'll go days weeks, months, and like Dad Hagen, even possibly years without ever committing a sin. Why, brother and sister, is that possible? Because your spirit man cannot sin. So the more you live out of it, the less you sin. The less you live out of it, the more you sin. Your mind sins all the time without being trained to listen to your spirit, without being renewed with the word. Your body will just do whatever it wants to do. Once it hit somebody, it'll hit him. <laughs> Cyril was telling me that he's never had more. He's so, his self-confidence is so high because he drives a truck and he said, every day, people give me a signal with their hand to tell me I'm number one. <laughs> every day. He said, every day I look out and there they are. I can't hear what they're saying because the window's up and they're yelling, but I just know they're telling me, you're number one, you're the best. And they're giving me hand signals to show that I'm number one. I mean, this man has got such high self-esteem because everybody tells him all the time, you're number one. Now I could show you how they tell him that, but I don't think I will. You see, that is somebody that their body and their unrenewed mind wants to communicate something. So they do that, and when they do that, they commit sin. But, the, but, but, but now you may be tempted when somebody cuts you off to tell them they're number one. 
but that didn't come out of your spirit. That came out of an upset, annoyed, frustrated soul. And your body, because it's fleshly, wants to just take what the soul gives it and run with it. Praise God. But your spirit man doesn't want to do that because your spirit man can't sin. So you realize you can sin with your body and your mind, but your spirit doesn't sin. Your spirit is sealed by the blood of Jesus. It can't sin. Now, have you, could you look, please, with me in the book of 1 John, chapter 3. I already read that, verse 8. So Jesus came to destroy sin because the devil is a sinner. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? And because what Jesus did on the cross and because of the life of the spirit, you can actually live without sin, just like you can live without sickness, just like you can live without poverty. Because he came to destroy all the works of the devil. Now, have a look at verse 9. Whosoever, that's you, Greg, is born of God. It is, right? No, that is you. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his God's seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Luke can never not be a field. He can do whatever he wants. He can try to act like somebody else. But he is part of my lineage. He, he is part of my, why? Because I, for lack of a better word, created him. God created him. But, but I was involved yeah. with his mother. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just being honest. And the seed created something called that baby and the DNA of the mama and of the daddy are in that baby and even personality traits are in that baby and that's why you can tell you know who who, sometimes even with facial features and expressions that oh you're just like your mama you're just like your daddy why because of DNA now they didn't have the DNA is a very long word we just shortened it to DNA I don't even know how how to say it because it's very long Okay, some of you are smarter than me, but I'm not, I'm not able to say it. Now, when Paul wrote this, or John wrote this, that word DNA did not exist. DNA existed, but the word didn't exist because that didn't come until modern day of science. So what is he saying? This word is really talking about the DNA of God, but the only way he can express it in the time of his writing is that just as a seed of a man goes into the womb of a woman and creates a child, and they didn't know what was called DNA, but the something, whatever it's called, of the dad and the mom is in that child innately. Now, we know what that is, but he didn't know what to call it. He's trying to say the same thing. When you are born again, born of the spirit, because you're not born again in your mind, you're born again in your spirit. When Jesus comes in, you're born in your spirit, man, made alive unto God spiritually a second time. Why? Because as a child, you were alive and you lost it with sin. Now the blood of Jesus removes sin and you're born of your spirit between you and God, spirit to spirit. You're born and made alive unto him again a second time. Time. First, it was not by your will. You were born in the human race. You're automatically alive unto God. But when the understanding and the concept of divine and, and eternal justice of sin and judgment came to you, your spirit man uh, it, it didn't die, but it got separated from God. Sin covered it. Jesus' blood removed it. And now your spirit is alive a second time unto God the Father. First was involuntary. Second is voluntary. You, you don't you have to get born again. But if you choose to get born again, now your spirit is alive unto God a second time. Are you with me? Now, if your spirit is alive unto God a second time, it means God lives in your spirit. Are you with me? So your spirit man is sealed by God. 
Your spirit man therefore cannot sin. Why? Because God's seed, what we would call DNA, the divine DNA, the divine seed. He only knew to call it seed from a mom and a dad makes a baby. And what's in that mom and dad is in that baby. He didn't know, know what the word was. We know it's called DNA. What he's saying is God has a DNA. God has a seed. When you got born again in your spirit, man, because it's in your spirit, God's DNA or what he called seed goes into your spirit, man. And as a mama and daddy produce a baby and what's in the parents shows up in the baby. So what is in God? God shows up in you. God's divine DNA, his seed comes into my spirit and traits of God, personality traits, the way I look, the way I talk. And I don't just mean physically. I mean, the way I handle situations, the way I move in this earth, I reflect my father, not my natural father, but my heavenly father, because I don't just have Ken Field seed, I have Abba Father seed. My natural inclination takes after my natural father, but my spirit man takes after my heavenly father. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, the, the sinner on the road does not have divine DNA, his spirit is separated. But the moment he says, Jesus, be my savior. I confess you as Lord. Come into my heart. Come into my spirit. Make me whole. I confess Jesus as my Lord. I believe that God raises the moment that happens. The Holy Ghost comes into that spirit. That spirit is made alive unto God a second time. That man is born of the spirit a second time or born again. And that means God's divine DNA immediately comes into his spirit. The seed of God is in him. And from that moment, his spirit can never sin again. Now his body and his mind might if he doesn't train and renew. But his spirit is sealed. Yesterday on the way up, <laughs> Uh, the bus driver, Malik, I think his name was, and he, he's watching the goings on. And he, the Bible says, they'll, you, you don't have to witness to people, just love each other. Yeah, that's true. Just love each other. Yeah, that's true. That'll be the greatest witness. <laughs> they'll tell who, who you are by your love. And he's watching white and black and different skin colors, all acting like we're one. Because we are. And he's watching people getting put under the water, which to a sinner must look a little bit strange. But he's watching the whole thing. And we invited him to have lunch because we're generous. And I don't know who it was, mom, that was ministering to him. But do you know who, who, I don't know, it doesn't matter who it was. But so one of our leaders were talking to him and witnessing to him. And he said right there, I want Jesus. And they let, right by the barbecue, they led him and he became born again. And I went up and I talked to him. And I said, brother, I said, do you understand that right now you're a completely different human being? Even though maybe you don't feel it, but you're going to see because something happened. And I pointed at his stomach. I said, something happened inside there. And I said, it's going to affect how you think. It's going to affect how you act. But you need the word and you need church and you need the Holy Ghost baptism if you're going to walk strong. Otherwise, you're going to be weak. And he said, well, I'd get baptized right now. He said, but I don't have any change of clothes and I have to drive the bus and I don't want to drive the bus in wet pants. And I thought, 
you know, do we have any extra pants? But I didn't want to push him because you don't want to push people. But he said, I would get baptized right now because I know something's different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we, we had somebody else that was, uh, I, I, it's private, but I, I just want to say, because I'm trying to give you testimonies here. We had somebody else that, that wasn't married. But they're living together. But they're about to get water baptized. Now, you see, there's the Holy Ghost, they're born again. The Holy Ghost inside them is moving, is moving. I want you to live clean. I want you to live right. This is a new day for you. You're about to go into the waters of baptism. Your old life is over, and you're coming to new resurrected life in Christ. Amen. Now, that doesn't save you. The confession saves you, but that is, that is an outward de- demonstration. But see, the Holy Ghost is working on them. Yeah. Working on them. See, their spirit man yeah. is listening to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I, I, I don't want this lifestyle anymore. And their mind is having thoughts. I need to repent. I need to, I need to get right. I need to get right. But we've got children. What do we do? You see, the world teaches you can live however you want, but God's Word teaches you can't. I don't blame people because if that's all they've known out there, we have to teach them. How do they know unless they're taught? Don't judge people. They didn't know when they had their children, but now they know. So you know what they said before the baptism? They said, we want to be right. See, their spirit. And so they went off to the falls. There's a little set of waterfalls there close by. And one of my ministers went with them with, a, with a, uh, a witness, and, and they got married at the falls before they got water baptized. And they came back married in God's sight, clean and pure in God's sight. And then went into the waters of baptism and came up gloriously right before God. See, that's, their, that's not their mind necessarily. That's the spirit of their, their spirit man influencing by the Holy Spirit and the word of God that has started to wash their mind and the spirit of God in their spirit is talking to their mind saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. And the word that has been washing their mind says, yes, I yield. Yes, I'm going to do this. And then their bodies say, let's go get married. That's how it should be. Did we say, you can't get water baptized? Did we say, sinner? Well, they're not a sinner, so we couldn't say that. But some religious churches will beat people down. Now, we're not justifying sin, but we're trying to give people the word. And if they'll listen to the word, their actions will change. Because the spirit of a man cannot sin because God's DNA, God can't sin. And God's DNA is in you. So just like Luke will always be a field, you will always be like Abba. And Abba can sin and you can't sin. The real you can't sin. If you sin, it's of the soul and the body, but your spirit is pure before God. Hallelujah. That's why Christians can never be demon possessed. They can be demon oppressed. Demons can't get into your spirit because if a demon got in your spirit, sin would be in your spirit. But your spirit is sealed by the blood and it's pure and right before God. So demons can be in your soul. They can be on your body. They can get in your mind, but they can't get in your spirit. A demon possessed person means it's in their spirit, man. And you got to cast it out of their spirit and their soul and their body. A Christian can be oppressed in body and soul, but never in spirit. That's why you don't ever have to worry about that. A lot of Christians are oppressed by demons in their soul realm, in their thinking, in their bodies, but never in your spirit. It's sealed. 
I'm trying to hammer this because you need to, as a foundation, you need to understand that the real you is pure. <laughs> it's almost like your body fights against, it's almost like your, your being is at war with itself. That's what Paul talked about. Remember, he says, I want to do things, but part of me doesn't want to do things. But I want to do things, but I want to live for God, but part of me doesn't want to live for God. It's like you're at war with yourself. But the real you who is going to win if you do what I'm teaching you. If you don't do what I'm teaching you, it won't. But if you do what I'm teaching you, the real you is going to win. The real you is your spirit. The real you is pure and right and holy before God, and it can't sin. And it doesn't want to sin. But the rest of you, because it, does, it hasn't, you, you haven't yielded to the word of God, you haven't washed your mind with the word, it wants to sin. Yeah. That's why we keep talking about the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Revelation in the word. The Holy Ghost, prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost, because that is what's going to renew your mind so it can yield to your spirit so you can live a life of victory and a life of prosperity and a life of health and a life of sinlessness. Amen. But you've got to yield. Are you with me still? Your spirit cannot sin. I want you, I'm going slow on this on purpose. I got a lot of notes. I got a lot of sermons in this already, but I'm going slow on purpose. Your spirit is perfect. You have to understand that. Now, having said that, let me also say this to you. It's 1153. I've got a, oh, Jesus. Taylor, it's your fault. All your fault, Taylor. I forgive you. Now, let me say this to you. Your spirit, however, can be weak. And this is what I'm trying to get to. Your spirit can't sin, but your spirit can be weak. Uh, have you ever met somebody with a weak spirit? Uh, have a look, please, with me in the book of Psalms, chapter 143, verse 4. Psalms, chapter 143, verse 4. Amen. The more you walk in the spirit, yield to your spirit, the more victory you'll have, the more sinlessness you'll be, the less sin you'll commit, the more, the more favor you'll have, the more blessing, the more our divine ideas, the more protection, the more joy. Everything comes out of your spirit. Why? Because God lives there. So do you realize that you have a, a little portal, for lack of a better word? There's a portal called the spirit of man. God to the other dimension lives in that. It's the portal from this dimension to that dimension. What is the portal? It's not some magnetic field in the earth, some woo-woo, jibi-jibi, whatever. The, there are portals, but they're not in some weird place. There's portals in every human being. Your spirit area is a portal. It is a connector. It is a bridge from one realm, one dimension to the other. There is a spiritual dimension and there is a natural dimension. What connects the two dimensions? The spirit of a man. The spirit of a man, when God comes, God comes into that spirit. So it bridges, it connects to God. But the spirit influences your soul and body, which reflects the outside world. So your spirit man is a portal, if you want to look at it that way. It is a bridge, it's a connector to two realms. How you handle your spirit matters. If you train your spirit, it matters. The good news is that your spirit can't sin. The bad news is that your spirit can get very weak. And that's what I want to do. What did I tell you? Psalm what? 143? Verse 4. And it says, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me, or spirit, is desolate. The word desolate means to be stunned 
or to be numb. It is possible that your spirit man, just like your physical body, cannot have enough nutrients and it can actually become weakened. It can become numb. It can become in, not inoperative because it's always operating, but ineffectual. Are you with me? Is your spirit man strong or is it weak? Uh, the only way you're going to know that is what you do every single day of your life. That's going to determine if your spirit man is strong or weak. Your spirit can't sin, but it can be weakened. I can tell by the way people talk if their spirit is strong or weak. Because when your spirit is strong, your words change. I can tell by the way people respond to financial emergencies if their spirit is strong or weak. Let me help you. I'm trying to get this over to you, and I'll try to just quicken it, and then we'll pick it up next week. It's, 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 a, it's a complicated process, but it's so simple in the other way. What if I were to tell you that there was a substance, a physical substance that you can touch, that if you can take this physical substance and you can do something with it, that it can go through, think of it like liquid, that you can pour it through your brain, and your brain is a filter. You know what a filter is? And it's going to go through your brain and it's going to go down your mind and it's going to down, down, down into your spirit. And God kills two birds with one stone because he gives you one substance, not two, one substance. And if you'll just pour it through your mind, it will filter down into your spirit and it will accomplish two things at once. It will wash the way you think so that you think right And it will also give faith and confidence to your spirit so that you can believe right. And then your spirit man is strong in faith and your mind is clean and whole. And what's in your spirit comes to your mind and what's in your mind you start to speak, which means your words are whole and full of faith and your thoughts are right. And your actions now, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your actions start becoming according to your spirit. What if they were some magic elixir that you could pour into your brain and it changed your whole spirit, soul, and body. We would pay all we had for such an elixir. Wouldn't we? If there was some magic formula. They talk about the, 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 the youth, what do you call it? Yeah, but there, you know, these fountain of youth and they're searching for it. I don't think they've ever found it. Don't think they ever will. But I have something here in my hand. Now, this is, this is a physical thing that I can touch. This is something that I can read. But as I study and read this, it is pouring into my mind and it filters through my mind and it cleans my mind. It cleans it. I have a filter on my pool. When we... When Jessica helps me do it, so she's saying yes. But when we, when we put that vacuum in the pool and it sucks up the little dirt on the bottom, it goes through the tubes, it goes under the ground, and it goes into that big filter. And what is it doing? It's filtering the water. It's getting the dirt out. So the water at the top is clean and the dirt at the bottom. And then you, then you, you push another button and it spurts all that dirty water out. But the filter cleans the water. Are you with me? 
The mind is a filter. Pour the elixir of the word in and it starts to clean the mind. Clean the mind. All the dirt starts skimming off the surface. It cleans the thoughts. It cleans the thoughts. And as you meditate, it cleans more and more. And then it goes, Jenny, down into your spirit. Same action, two results. The word washes your thoughts, gets down into your spirit. Now your thoughts are made, are made right and renewed and whole. And your spirit, because the word, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't even please God if you don't have faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The revelation of the word, not just hearing the Bible, but the revealed word. As you meditate, revelation comes. It goes down into your heart, into your spirit. And your spirit goes, yes. And you see the word of God goes into your spirit. And it begins to increase the faith and the trust and the boldness and the strength in your spirit. So your spirit man is strong. You should never have to say my spirit is overwhelmed. A man with an overwhelmed spirit is a man with a weak spirit. You should never have to say my heart, my spirit is stunned, is numb, is ineffectual. Well, my spirit can't sin, but it can be very ineffectual. You never, but, but, you see, but if you don't have the word filtering through your mind down into your spirit, man, your spirit has nothing to work with. Your spirit can literally become emancipated. Your spirit is not a sinner, but you ever see little children, you know, you see these pictures and, and they're in a famine. They have not, they're not done anything wrong, but they're not eating. When you don't eat, you're weak. Your spirit feeds on the word. Some of you have made your spirit have an, an elongated fast because you got your, 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 all your social media and all your hobbies and all your friends and all your responsibilities at work and at home and kids and spouse and all of those have their place, but you have put your spirit man on an elongated fast. And you're just like your body gets very weak when you don't put things in it. Your spirit will get very weak when you don't put something in it. And what do you put in it? Listen to me now. I'm helping you. Tongues is not putting anything in your spirit. Tongues is speaking out of your spirit. Tongues does not put anything in you. Tongues talks to God. You can't say, I pray in tongues. You'll be spiritually weak. Now, you can be sensitive, are you listening, and weak. You can be sensitive because you pray in tongues a lot and you can hear the Holy Ghost quite a bit, but your spirit man in believing can be weak. Because tongues does not feed your spirit. The only substance on this planet that feeds the human spirit is the word of the living God. It is the only thing that feeds you. If you don't meditate and read the Bible 10, at least 10, 15 minutes a day, you are putting your spirit man at risk of weakness. Your body can function without food and your spirit cannot function without the word, which is food. Your body will not operate right if you don't exercise and your spirit will not operate right unless you start exercising it by releasing your faith and believing God because the faith is in your spirit, man. Are you with me? Your spirit can be weak, but it cannot sin. 
I know people, Reverend Greg, they can hear God, but they can't believe what he tells them to do. And we need to pray in tongues a lot, but all they do is pray in tongues. They don't read the word. So they're, they're more sensitive. I know God wants me to do this. Well, then do it. I don't know. I just can't believe. You see how weird that is? I know God wants me to do this. Well, how did you know? Because I pray a lot and I wait on God a lot and he shows me. Their spirit man is revealing to their mind what to do. But I can't believe. Why? Because your spirit man is not fed by praying in tongues. Your spirit man is fed by the word. So that's why you have to have the word and tongues so you know what to do. And then you have the faith to do it. You've got to have it. Let me close with this verse. Are you still with me? You're not offended, right? Oh God, Jenny, I have to check. Because sometimes I'd, anyway, hallelujah. Uh, Ephesians 3.16. Jennifer, am I doing okay this time? You told me if I did better, you'd say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I must, I must be doing better, Reverend Taylor. Just have a look at this and then we'll close. And I'll pick it up next week. I want you to stay with me because we're kind of doing a Bible study. Normally on Sunday, I get into that more preaching and more proclaiming and declaring and decreeing kind of stuff. But the Holy Ghost said, I want you to talk to them about, about training their spirit, which is more of a teaching flow. But that's okay. Because most churches, all they ever got is a teaching flow. You're lucky you have more of a preaching flow. But now you're going to get a little bit more of a teaching flow because it's important that you see this. Have a look at the 1204. Have a look at this now. Not 1204, not Ephesians 12 verse 4. I'm simply saying it's 12.04 p.m. But have a look please now at Ephesians chapter 3. Some people were looking for Ephesians chapter 12, mom. They didn't realize that there is no, Taylor, there's no Ephesians 12, brother. Ephesians chapter 3. Now watch now. This is one of the prayers that we're told to pray. Now watch what this Pauline prayer says. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What is your inner man? Your spirit man. Joe, you have an inner man and you have an outer man. The outer man perisheth, but the inner man, the spirit man, is renewed day by day. Your physical body may be getting older, but your spirit is stronger today than it was ever before. Sue, you may be getting a little bit older. Very much. She's 77. She may be getting a little bit older. Outside, her natural frame perisheth. Because that's, that's the human condition. You can buy all your millions of dollars, ladies, of creams. But at the end of the day, your outer body is still perishing. You might slow the process or fake us all out. The problem with black ladies is that they fake us. I saw a black lady that was 83 years old and I said, I thought she was 50. I said, how do you do that? It's just in the jeans. <laughs> what, your Levi's? What jeans are you talking about? Some people, they just naturally, they don't age. Other people, they age a lot. Ever seen Tommy Lee Jones? That man has not aged well. You look at Tommy Lee Jones now, buddy, that boy needs an elixir. He needs something. But your outward body is, whether you're faking us, whether your creams are doing something or not, I don't know. But it's only slowing an inevitable process. It is perishing. But just as Sue is perishing on the outside a little bit more than Mary Chris, because you haven't had as much years Mary Chris as her. But listen now, inside her spirit, 
She is going glory to glory and she is being renewed day by day, which means her spirit man is stronger than her outer body. Her spirit man looks like a young lady, but her body is a little bit more older, but her spirit man is strong and it's being renewed day by day. If, if, if you feed it. Because if you don't feed your spirit, man, it is getting weaker day by day. It is not being renewed day by day. Are you with me? I pray that you would be strengthened in your spirit. What does that mean, Greg? Why would he say you need strength if your spirit man always had strength? Your spirit man needs strength. That's why he prayed for strength which shows me your spirit man can be weak if he's praying for it to be strong. If it was automatically strong, notice he didn't say that your spirit man would be pure, that your spirit man would be without sin, because your spirit man can't sin. But Paul knows while you can't sin inside, you can be weak inside if you're not putting the word in. So he's praying, Lord, strengthen them in their spirits. But hold on, what really does that mean? Can I just pray for you, Taylor, and say, Lord, strengthen him in his spirit, and all of a sudden, poof, like a puff of smoke, you've got a strong spirit. It doesn't really work that way. By me praying that he would be strengthened in his spirit, what I'm really praying is, Lord, give him revelation of your word. Because that's the only thing that can feed and strengthen your spirit. So when he said, Lord, I pray that they'd be strong in spirit. What he, what he knows, the only way to be strong is by the word. So Lord, give them. And if you look at these Pauline prayers, they're constantly about revelation. Give them revelation into your word. Give them revelation into your word. Give them revelation. Why? Because that feeds the human spirit. That strengthens the human spirit. Now he phrases it differently, but it's the same thing. Strengthen them in their spirit, which means what? Give them revelation into your word. He's saying it from the, uh, he go with the back door this time. Going in the front door says, Lord, let them have revelation in your word. That's front door. Back door, same thing, different way of saying it is strengthen them in their spirit. But you can only strengthen by having the revelation of the word. Right. You can pray for people and we pray for you that you would have strong spirits. But how's that going to happen? Not just because I pray, but because by praying for your spirit to be strong, I'm also praying that God will give you revelation of his word. And we can pray for others that they would have revelation of the word. And God will honor your prayers. And if you're praying for Danielle, and she's not praying as much for herself. God will honor your prayers to strengthen her spirit because of the revelation of the word. And God will hover over her and give her extra revelation to strengthen her spirit, not because she asked for it, but because he prayed for it. But she still has to open the Bible. But she may not be praying for revelation. And all of a sudden she gets it. That's because Reverend Greg was praying. Or somebody that you don't know was praying. But so in other words, what I'm saying is God can piggyback on the faith of others, but you still have to crack the book. God can piggyback on the faith of others to help you, but you still have to do your part. What is your part? Coming to church and hearing the word being preached or taught under an anointing, which is right now, you don't realize it, but you're feeding your spirit right now. Yeah, that's right. But that's not the only place. Go home. Open your own Bible and feed yourself. So you see, I'm closing with this. So little babies like Kylie, you can't say, Kylie, smarten up and go make a sandwich. Right. <laughs> Kylie's six months old. So 
eight months old. So don't matter, six, eight, nine, she can't make a sandwich. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, now listen now, new babes in Christ, like Malik, he's a baby. He's a lamb. He's a little, small, brand new baby in Jesus. He can't make his own sandwich. Do you understand? Now, he can open the Bible, and with the Holy Ghost's help, he can start to feed himself, but it's going to be a little bit at a time. So what does he need? He needs spoon feeding, just like a natural baby does. So when we come and teach, when he comes to church, he's getting fed by me feeding him. When the altar worker calls, says, Malik, how you doing? Let me, let's talk. What you going through? Well, I've got, well, let me give you some scriptures about that. Let me help you with that. What is it? They're spoon feeding him the word because a baby can only take it a little bit at a time. But after, but he'll grow real fast depending on how hungry he is. And if he keeps eating because you call him or because he hears the live stream or because he comes in person or because he reads a book, he can feed himself and he can be fed by others. But as he keeps feeding, pretty soon he's going to become robust. And then he's going to be able to say, you know, I know how to handle that. And I'm hungry to feed myself. And I don't, I'm going to always get preaching, but you know, I can study this myself. I can open the Bible and study it myself. You see, he's growing spiritually. But every Christian, if you don't feed your spirit with the word, your spirit will become weak. It won't sin, but it will become weak. Are you listening? Now, what did I say? Two, stone, two birds with one stone. When the word goes in, it washes your mind and feeds your spirit. If you don't have the word, your spirit is weak but your mind is starting to think wrong thoughts again. So when you don't have the word, everything comes to the word. If you don't have the word, you don't have faith to do things for God. If you don't have the word, your mind starts thinking wrong. If you start thinking wrong, you'll start sinning. So the word protects you from thy word not hid in my heart that I would not sin against thee. Your word, the word protects your mind from getting offended. The great peace of they which love thy law, the word, and nothing will cause them to stumble in offense. The word does everything for you. It keeps your mind thinking right, and it keeps your spirit fed and get full of faith. So that now, now you add tongues in. Now tongues doesn't feed your spirit, but now your spirit communicates to your mind what God is saying to you. So now you know, I'm supposed to buy that house. That's the leading. But because the word has come into me, I have faith to buy that house. Now watch, because the word has washed my mind and has changed my, my speech. Now I'm not going to say I can't afford the house. Now I'm not going to think poor about the house. Because the word causes me to say, I can have that. The Holy Ghost has led me to that. I can believe for that. I'm releasing my faith for that. I'm speaking right. And listen, I'm thinking right about that house. You see all of those fa factors? It's your spirit and your soul and your body all working together to fulfill the plan of God. But if you don't have the word feeding your spirit, your boat is sinking and you don't even know it. Are you with me? So we'll pick it up next week. What are you going to do this week in, in the moment? You're going to remember you can't sin in your spirit. So if you've done something wrong, it's because your spirit is not strong in that area. If you've sinned, your spirit is weak in that area. So what do you do? Get the word in you on the area you just sinned. It will clean up your mind and it will build faith in your spirit to stand against that temptation. Your spirit's perfect, but it can be weak. How are you going to strengthen it? With the word. What's the only thing that can feed it? The word. The leading of the spirit comes with tongues, but the strength of your spirit comes with the word. So you're going to fall in love with this book, my brother and sister. 
You got to fall in love with this book. This, this book has to be, this book needs to be precious to you. And don't read as much of the Old Testament, read more of the New Testament. Not that the old is not good. I love the old, I study the old. But the old was not written to you. The old was written to them. Now through the cross, we apply it. But the New Testament, specifically the epistles, was written to the church. The epistles belong to you. Get in the epistles and start reading them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the epistles are not the wife of Paul. Somebody said to me, is her name epistle? No. Well, is her name Pauline? Because I hear you talk about Pauline a lot. No, no. I don't know what Paul's wife was named, but it wasn't epistle or Pauline. I don't know what. Maybe it was Sally. I don't know Sally. Maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe it was Sonia. I don't know. I don't know what her wife, what his name's wife was. But I do know that the epistles, which is the books written to the churches... Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, Corinthians, Romans, they are for you. And not just what Paul wrote, John wrote epistles, Peter wrote epistles, they are for you. Study that more than you study the old until you get strong and then you can start focusing a little bit more on the old. But that was given for you. Now as you read it, what are you doing? You're feeding your spirit. You're feeding your spirit. Faith is coming in. And at the same glorious moment, it's washing your mind. You realize God could have given us two instructions. He just gave us one to make it easy for us. Just put the word in. The word will cleanse your mind, your thought life, and it will feed your spirit. Cleanse your thought life, and it will feed your spirit. But you're so busy that this book takes a back seat. When you drive to work tomorrow, have a little scripture verse. You know what I do? I put my little, my little audio thing on, on my audio Bible. And I'll pick a chapter, and I'll just put it on a loop. And that man will just read that chapter, because I, I can't read while I'm driving. But I just put it beside me, and I'm listening to the word. And, he, and then he repeats that chapter. And, he repeat, and then some, somewhere along the line, something will jump in on the inside of me on a particular verse. And when that happens, I'll know the Holy Ghost has highlighted and spotlighted that verse. Then when I stop, I pull out my actual Bible. I find that verse and I meditate on that verse. And I read it over and over and I think about it. And when I'm in meetings, I'm thinking about it. When I'm doing whatever, it's always in the back of my mind. And sometimes it comes to the front of my mind. And then if I'm busy, it goes back to the back of my mind. But I'm thinking about it all the time. What am I doing? I'm feeding my human spirit. That's why my spirit man stays strong. And if I get away from the word, sometimes even for as little as a day, I can already feel the effects inside here. I feel weak. I feel, uh, oh, what is going on? I need the word. I need the word. The word is what feeds the human spirit. The word is what trains the human spirit. We're going to talk more about it next week. Heavenly Father, thank you that our spirit man is perfect and pure before you, sealed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you our spirit man is getting stronger and being fed by the spiritual word like our natural body is strengthened and fed by natural things. Our spirit man is fed and built up with the word of God and it produces faith in us. Lord, this week, I know this was a simple teaching this morning, but it it, it needs to be repeated because there's a whole group of people people that maybe are watching or maybe are here that are new and maybe this is a little bit new for some of them. I know some of them, the veterans here, Father, they've heard this before, but it deserves repetition because it is so important that everybody in this church understands the only thing that will strengthen their human spirit is the Word. It's the Word, the Word, 
the word. And the Holy Ghost will reveal the word to us. Holy Spirit, lead us into the truth of your word. As they're meditating on it this week, give them revelation into it, Holy Spirit. Show them truth into it. Your word says in John 16, 13, that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And the word is the truth of heaven. So Holy Spirit, as we meditate on your word, lead us and guide us into its revelations so that our spirit would be strong and our spirit full of faith and our mind washed and clean and thinking the right thoughts. And we give you praise and glory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen and amen.